Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Want to get in on the fantasy action, but sick of managing your roster, sick of player injuries ending your season with best ball on DraftKings? You get the best of your team all season long. This year on DraftKings, best ball is bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grab. For a limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest best ball contest ever and get your first entry back in DK dollars as soon as the draft is over. Act now before this offer expires. Again, start playing best ball today. Download the DraftKings app using the code BESTBETS and enter the DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, one per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued is $10 DK dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibitive. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Welcome back in. It is Sharp Money here on VSIN. You can also use the code SHARP as well to sign up for best ball today. I'm Jeff Parles. Mal Shaw's here. Wyatt Tomchek as well. And now joining us, he covers the Cleveland Browns. For the athletic, you can get him on the tweets at Akron Jackson. It is Zach Jackson with us right now. Zach, thanks for hanging out with us today. How you doing? Good. It's it's time. The Browns report on Saturday. Uh, actually, the team reports on Friday, and on Saturday they go to the Greenbrier in West Virginia for training camp. So, uh, summer kind of flu here, and uh, we'll see where this goes. I think there's a wide range of outcomes, guys. I think the Browns have the pieces to be pretty good. I think the Browns are combustible enough that it could be wild. So we'll see. So let's actually let's get right to it, and let's go to the combustible side of things. Where I look, I, talent-wise, this team is easily in the top five in the AFC. Um, they improved the wide receiver. Uh, I think they improved their defense is improved. They're definitely going to be coordinated better defensively with Jim Schwartz there. But Zach, when you start with Cleveland, it all starts with Deshaun Watson and. I have no idea what we're getting out of him. What do you think with just seeing the OTAs and then going into training camp? What do you think the reasonable expectations for Deshaun Watson are going into this 2023 campaign? Well, I think reasonable expectations have to be high, you know, based on what they paid for him. Um, You know, I think they should be high, certainly higher than last year. You know, guys, the way I feel, 
kind of matches when I've asked people who, who evaluate who've been around. He's going to be better, um, and he's probably going to be a lot better. Now, is he going to be great, and can he reach that early in the year for this monster first half of the schedule? Um, you know, How close to great does he need to be? All of those things, we'll see. But it was an impossible situation last year, as obviously much of it to his own doing. Um, the Browns were pretty much sunk long before he was ever you know, even allowed back in the building. Um, the way they lost those AFC games early. And then you had a guy who hadn't played in two years, had never been in the huddle with these guys, had never worked with the coach. So you know, they obviously prioritized upgrading his wide receiver group. Uh, I think he and Kevin Stefanski had a lot of time to say, this is what I was completely comfortable with. This is what I didn't like. This is what we want it to look like now that we have Elijah Moore, now that we have Amari Cooper healthy because he wasn't last December. So he's going to be better and the Browns are going to be better. Um, you know, he's pretty I, – I can't say he's going to be excellent, but I think it's going to be a wild ride, and I think the offense still will give them a chance, and obviously that's why they went and got Jim Schwartz, why they went and got Zedaria Smith, because the way they view it is they're going to score a bunch more points, and they're going to turn that pass rush loose uh, and try to close games the way they just haven't been able to so many times in the last couple of years. Zach, I feel like the Browns are an afterthought in the AFC. You've got Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Baltimore, the the Dolphins, the Jets. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, the kind of contract he was given and brought in in the situation with this team from a talent standpoint, don't you feel somewhat that this is a team that could be a real surprise if people are looking at a long shot? Right now, just to win the AFC, they're 22-1. to Yeah, I mean, I would be stunned if they won the AFC. Sure. But when you look at the talent, when you look at what they've paid, not just Watson, but this entire roster, um, this is a top-heavy roster. This is a huge commitment, by far the most cash of any roster in the league. You know, they are a year or so away from major cap decisions. And obviously those will be easier if the quarterback's playing well and, you know, guys are performing to those those numbers that they have. But, yeah, they, they could be that. I mean, you know, Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett should have, played in a lot more than two playoff games in their careers, right? Joel Batonio, I mean, he might be a Hall of Famer at guard, and they've invested heavily in that offensive line. Like, there's some holes, there's some questions um, with the roster. But, yeah, this this is a team that I I would agree with you. Um, On paper, on just by looking at the talent, is really good, stacks up with almost anybody. And their glimpses of good over the last couple years, um, you know, are, are, are very good. They, and it's just crashed down in December. And then I think last year, I think they punted on the year. Let's just be honest. But then sure. it got really sloppy early, and, and they were buried long before. So they do feel like there was real value in what Deshaun did over his final five games last year. But they, it was over, and there were some there were some flaws in the roster, and then there was certainly the overlying thing where you were bringing this guy in, and nobody knew what to expect, you know, including the guy calling the plays and the guy getting the snap every play because it was just brand new. What's the overall sentiment with Deshaun Watson? I'm not talking about the talent on the field, but in terms of just in the community with Deshaun Watson coming there after what transpired in Houston at the end. You know, I think it's mixed feelings on on who you talk to. Um, I think slowly but surely the Browns have, have put him more out in the community, have made him more available to the media. You know, he's very active on social media and doing that, um, you know, it's awkward and it's going to be awkward. I mean, there were times last year when, you know, he, he wasn't allowed in the building 
He was looking for some place in Cleveland to work out, you know. And I think if you are strongly one way or the other, especially in the social media age, you're going you're gonna to take your stance or whatever. But he has been available to the full off season. He's he's down to two lawsuits. Everything else has been settled. There is nothing else NFL wise, contract wise, whatever. I mean, he he had all of these months to bond with his teammates, to bond with his head coach and play caller, and to focus on football and trying to win that game. Um, you know, the, the second week of September, which they should win, frankly, and, and see where it goes um, from there. I, the distractions exist. What he did and and how he's viewed is going to follow him, but it is completely different from last year just in him being available and being able to focus on, on, on the Browns. Zach, just looking at the defensive side of the ball, obviously, Miles Garrett, we know the talent he is. He's the betting favorite to win defensive player of the year. Uh, but replacing Jadavian Clowney with Zadarius Smith on the other edge, uh, some other pickups in the in the secondary, including uh, Juan Thornhill and Rodney McLeod as well. It really does feel like, even though the talent was there, this defense is set up to be a, a lot better than it was a year ago, uh, especially with those ad- additions. And, of course, the most important one, now with Jim Schwartz coordinating that defense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more than fair to say Jim Schwartz is the most important uh, addition. And, obviously, you know, Zedaria Smith is, is a proven player, has done it for a long time, and, and can line up in various roles, right? Um, it, it's about getting the most out of Miles. It's about keeping Miles engaged, healthy, consistent. Um, I'm stunned that he would be the favorite for defensive player of the year. Now, this guy has so much talent, it's hard to put real expectations on him. But he has not finished the season. Um, he has, you know, there's always been something, right? Going back to the helmet swinging incident last year, um, he was taking on the coordinator publicly after almost every game. He missed the game because of the car accident. You know, all, all of that stuff, it's kind of followed him. So, yeah, if, if you look at the Browns and think that they're going to score a bunch and Miles is going to be let loose, if anybody could get 20, 22 sacks, he has the talent to. But there's nothing in his track record that says he's going to finish a season or in the Browns' track record that says they're going to be an 11-win team that allows him to be defensive player of the year. And this is a team that only you – know, and this doesn't matter because today you play your way into it, but there's only a couple primetime games on the schedule. Like – the glitz and the glamour is with Patrick Mahomes and with Trevor Lawrence, right? And the AFC East, which is obviously competitive, so is the AFC North, but it's more glamour there. I, I, I'm stunned that you say he's the favorite. Yeah, to me, you know what, you're right on that, just simply because his inability to stay on the field completely for an entire season. Zach, we got about a minute remaining here. Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, they'll be the second and third receivers with Amari Cooper. How do you like this receiving core and throwing in David Njoku, the tight end there as well? Yeah, I think it is much better. I think Elijah Moore will have every opportunity to be the, the number two receiver. He will play inside, he will play outside, he will line up in the backfield. Um and, and he's not, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be the outside receiver on the right. But they'll move Cooper around a little bit. They'll move Elijah Moore around a lot, and they'll they'll dump it to Njoku. Um, they think he's a pretty rare guy, and they keep investing in him, and the production has never been consistent. But he is big, he is fast, and they feel like he and Elijah Moore, in different ways, have the athleticism and the skill set to keep plays alive, to improvise with Watson. They don't feel like they had that last year, both in terms of the timing and in the guys when he did that. But they think Elijah Moore can do that, can break off the route, and they think Njoku can turn a lot of simple ones into big plays. 
He's Zach Jackson. You can find his work over at The Athletic covering the Cleveland Browns. Zach, thanks for hanging out with us today. All right, guys, anytime. Thank you. We're going to keep it in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins is a Tennessee Titan. We'll see what Amal has to say on if that impacts his thoughts on the Tennessee season ahead. That's next. Sharp Money. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but had you ever heard of these sounds of speeding? If you drive over to speed limit, there are lots of sounds that you might hear. You could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You could even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral. Because if you drive over to speed limit, you could do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. Welcome back in. It's Sharp Money on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles. Maul Shaw's here. Wyatt Tomchek as well. And now this is what we've been waiting for all show long. Usually it's the big guy, Dustin Sweetelson, with a top 10 list. But no, today we get a Maul Shaw with a top 10 list. And you know what I'm, I love about this list? What's that? Because it's your top 10 overrated college football programs. I have absolutely no idea what your criteria is. So I am very happy to hear what your criteria is and how you came up with your list here. So it's a combination of a couple of things. These are all power five division one programs. Um, 
and teams that have high expectations or there's a thought that they're going to be good and better than what they really are. And you find a common denominator that none of the teams in this list have won a national championship more recently than 2005. At the end of the day, the, the greatest thing about sports is winning is what matters. And when we go through the list, you'll see teams that have marquee names have had some good seasons, but they're not winning at a consistent rate or level that you would expect from the way these programs are uh, portrayed. So let's start it out at the top. Are we going 10 through one? How do you want me to go wide? I, you know, Dustin goes 10 through one. So I'll, I'll do that. You need 10 through one, whatever. Yeah, this is your list. That's fine. Let's start with the Oregon Ducks. The great thing about the Oregon Ducks is the center of the field at Austin Stadium, Jeff, represents the number of national titles Oregon has won. You oh, see that big boy. O? It's got that goose egg there for you. It always reminds you of what the Ducks have been able to do. You look, they've come about because of Nike. That's the reality of it. Oregon, you know, when Rich Brooks took them to the Rose Bowl against Penn State in 94, that's about the last time anybody had heard from them until Chip Kelly took over uh, for Mike Bellotti, and then the program got to a couple of national title games. Um, Look, Mark Helfrich gets to a national title game, gets beat by 22, and he's out of there pretty quickly. So to me, Oregon is a program that gets a lot of talk, a lot of conversation every year. But then when the chips are down, the Ducks can't deliver at the highest levels. So Oregon has one national championship appearance. Of course, that was... Oh, lost oh to I totally, I totally forgot about you know the what? Cam- they got, they I, got I, I totally, the Dyer. I totally forgot about the the uh, the Michael Dyer, Cam Newton, Auburn game. Yeah, that one. totally forgot about that because the other one where it was against your Buckeyes mm-hmm. when Mario and Mario had coming off the Heisman and they didn't get there, so they have two. But and, you know, I, I'll ask you this though, Maul, because you're right; they have become truly into this quote unquote power position because of Phil Knight and all the Nike money. Yeah, but. Chip Kelly's also critical to this whole operation as well, because that was when they were at their best, when he was their head coach. And now, look, I, I don't want to besmirch Dan Lanning, because I don't know what Dan Lanning really is as a head coach yet. But do you really think, like, when you have a coach like that, like, he doesn't move the needle for you. Neither did Cristobal, for that matter. Well, I didn't think Cristobal was a great hire. I thought, actually, Oregon benefited with him leaving to go to Miami. Um I think when you look at him, Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter. He's not a great X's nose guy. And look, you do have to recruit extremely well, and you can overcome a lot if you've got great recruits, but they're not consistent enough at some of the positions. And that's the problem with Oregon. Last year, I think they were dead last in Division One and pass defense. This is a program with some good, talented pieces, but at the end of the day, they get a lot more credit than they probably are deserving of. And so that's why Oregon makes the list at number 10. And this is the program that I'm about to mention next is probably my all-time most hated program, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Jeff, Notre Dame, I don't even know if you were alive last time Notre Dame won a national title. I was not. 1989? I mean, think about that. We're going 34 years last time Notre Dame won a national title. Now, they've done a good job at the end of the year. They've been ranked for the last seven seasons, or excuse me, last six years. But, you know, Notre Dame went from 2012 to our 2011 to 2007 with being unranked. They were only ranked twice in, in a 10 year stretch. You talk about an overrated program. And I'm going to tell you right now, Notre Dame doesn't want to hear this, but the fact that they're on NBC hurts their viewership. Nobody on a college football Saturday is like, you know what? Let me see what games on NBC. 
And then here's the best part. You have a Purdue quarterback when you have Brady Quinn out there that calls your games. That'd be like Ohio State saying, you know, we're going to have Brian Greasy do play-by-play for us. Are you kidding me? It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why would you not hire? Brady Quinn is tremendous on television. Good-looking guy, presents well, articulate, and you've got Todd, you've got Drew Brees on there and Doug Flutie. When I think Notre Dame football, I think Flutie Flakes, and I think the guy from West Lafayette, Indiana. Breeze there anymore? Breeze gone, I don't know if isn't he's he? there or not anymore, but the point is, these are the guys that they had doing Notre Dame games. And then Pat Hayden, a USC guy? Jesus! I mean, it's like Ohio State would be hiring Michigan guys, Penn State guys, and Michigan State guys to do games. I mean, it's as idiotic as Notre Dame and NBC could be. Jesus, if this is his number nine, I'm Hold, I'm hold, on, hold on a second. I'm all missed the best point of why Notre Dame is overrated, though. You missed the best point of Go it. Go ahead. So, everyone gave Brian Kelly a whole lot of flack for leaving for LSU, okay? Mm-hmm. You know why he, he was smart to leave Notre Dame for LSU? Because the academic requirements? Forget that. He reached the peak of what he can do at Notre Dame. He made the playoff. He made the national championship game. That's true. It's just not what they are. They're not, unless if something happens here, where you're right, the academic requirements definitely hurt yeah. them. But unless if something else changes, you mentioned it, 1989. Why did I weren't alive yet? I'm not even sure if McCollum was alive, our audio guy. So we're talking a long time ago now. We're 30-plus years. 34. Yeah. Sorry to make you feel old them all. Yeah, I'm but, not worried about that. It just but, but, remind that to Notre Dame people. But, you're, but that's the whole thing. To me, that's your best argument, is that Brian Kelly, who is – look, Brian Kelly, I don't care what you think of him personally. The dude is an excellent college football coach, and I think he's going to win a, a national championship at LSU within the next three years. Oh, I, I really take, do. I would take that wager I, every day of my life. I, we, we might have to figure that out during the break then. I think he's getting one in the next three years. But that, to me, is your best argument, that they couldn't keep the coach because he maxed out and went to a place he could actually win a national championship. Real quick, get back to Notre Dame in a second. Yeah. So you're including the 23, 24, and 25 seasons, right? 23, 24, 25, that's four years within this tenure, yes. Okay. No shot with Jaden Daniels at quarterback, so now you got two seasons left. We'll discuss the 24 and 25 season in the commercial. Okay. But you, you're right about Notre Dame. Look, this I think they did reach their apex. They got to that national title game against Alabama. They were completely outclassed. They had no shot in that game. Would they get beaten that game, 42 to 10? I don't know. That, know was, that, because, was the, that was the closest to an in-game, I-can't-fix-anything admission from any coach ever with Kelly in that interview. Oh, I agree. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you another thing. Nick Saban took his foot off the gas. Oh, he sure they, did. They could have embarrassed them like Nebraska and Florida in the 96 Fiesta Bowl, 62 to 34. It could have been something along those lines. Uh, let's go to another program that is still living in the 90s and no longer realizes they're not what they once were, and that's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Just mentioned Big Red. The last time they won a national title was 97. The 95 team is still the greatest team I've ever seen. Miami's the most talented team, 01, but Nebraska, they won every game by at least 14 points when they won the national title in 95. This program is not the same. Now, Matt Rule could potentially get this thing turned around. But remember, Nebraska was a national recruiting program. Lawrence Phillips from Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles uh, Tommy Frazier from Bradenton. The Peters brothers from New Jersey. They went to Texas. They got guys everywhere. Nebraska doesn't do that anymore. They used to dominate the Big 8 and the Big 12 with Oklahoma. That doesn't exist anymore. 
to me, this big red program, I remember when uh, uh, John Makovic ran that great play with Texas against Nebraska in the Big 12 title game. That's kind of where you saw the Nebraska program start to die. Then they got busted up in the in the national title when they should not have been able to play uh, Miami when it should have been Oregon. Nebraska goes in there after getting worked by uh, Colorado, I think it was, in the, in the previous game, and they got to play in the national title game against Miami. So this program's been a doormat. They think they're far better than they are. They're competitive, but they can't win games. That's who Nebraska is today and i don't see the uh, them turning it around anytime soon you can't be overrated if you're not rated anymore uh, well they still think they're better than they really are <laughs> i mean that's 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 my whole thing and you're right because that's just not knowing your order in the pecking order anymore which is what it is nebraska in this new day and age where unless if you're ahead in nil you need some other uh, other advantage there's no advantage to go play football in Lincoln, Nebraska anymore. Wearing the black jerseys in practice isn't cool anymore. No, you, you're... So, I, to me, it's... I, I know our guy Danny Burke uh, would not love what we're saying, but it, it is what it is with Nebraska at this point. They are, they at this point, are an average Big Ten program. You're absolutely right. Let's go to another team that's slightly above average in the Big Ten. Last national title, 1987 in that game where uh, Penn State had 191 yards, but Vinny intercepted the Verde threw five picks down in the Fiesta Bowl in Miami. You should have won another national title, lost that game. Look, here's the problem with Penn State. James Franklin said it best. He goes, Ohio State is elite. We are not elite. Penn State will never be elite. They don't have the same in-state talent. They don't get some of the guys. The best players that come out of Pennsylvania the last decade or so have wound up at Ohio State. They've got to do a better job. They get the kids from Jersey that Notre Dame doesn't get that come from Bergen Central Catholic or from Don Bosco that wind up at Notre Dame or Boston College. But the problem is State College is not an easy place to get to. This program will never reach the heights that they had in the 70s and the 80s. Penn State 9-3 and and 10-2 and are good years, but they are never going to be elite again. It's not a knock. It's just where they are geographically. That's who Penn State is. I'll give you my thoughts on that okay. when we get back. We'll keep it rolling. The Malls, top 10 overrated college football programs on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today, and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonus instantly. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Welcome back in. It's Sharp Money here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles. Amal Shah alongside Wyatt Tomchek here as well. And we're going back. This is, this is a combination of top 10, I'm all in, whatever, whatever list you want to call it. With well, our guy Amal Shah right now. Well, first of all, you you and Wyatt are correct that I didn't have Notre Dame high enough on the list. Britain, uh, our, my old producer, said the same thing. So I, I think you guys are correct on that. But you said, what did you want to say about Penn State? So, real quick here, just going back to Notre Dame also, NBC now is a legitimate college football package. So I don't know if that plays in, is going to play into your argument as much. Uh, with NBC only having Notre Dame games, that's not the case anymore. But with Penn State, you know, of all these teams, and look, the teams, as you go through the rest of this list, a few of them, I think, are capable of winning national championships in the right circumstance at this point. Penn State, I do think, is capable of it. The problem is, I actually, and, I, and look, I, you may, I'm not sure what your, your thoughts are on this. I don't think James Franklin's the guy to get them over the top. It, the now, problem. the problem is, and this is why they fit into your list, I don't think they can do better than James Franklin at this point. I, I agree that's with the big said. that's the big problem now. Where look and and this is the thing this is the problem for Penn State. They're in a conference where 
even though we'll see one of the big boys on this list later, they're not going to be Michigan and they're not going to be Ohio State. And even with the Big Ten likely going to realign and probably get to a scenario where it's 1v2 in the Big Ten championship. Oh, and by the way, USC and UCLA are coming in as well. They're just in a weird spot where you're right. I've been to State College. It's basically cow tree, cow tree, cow tree, boom, Beaver Stadium pops up out of nowhere. Outside of Pullman, Washington, is there a tougher place to get to in college football than State College, Pennsylvania? It's not easy. Maybe and, maybe Blacksburg, and it's also it's Laramie, also, Wyoming. Got got you. Yeah, man. you're talking talking real college football. <laughs> exactly. here. But but uh, but there again, I think that's a program that is capable of winning a national championship. But they are in need of things to go their way in order to get there. And they had multiple opportunities. Why well, I brought it up during the break? Barkley's last year, which ended up in a in a. Rose Bowl lost to USC, one of the better Rose Bowls we've ever seen. Oh, that was the year before. People, they won the Fiesta Bowl last year against Washington. That's right. Excuse me. The Fiesta Bowl year, that was the year to do it. They had Ohio State on the ropes. They blew that game, and that was it. Well, Amal, I could probably count on probably both hands that over the last handful of years that Penn State has had a lead against Ohio State and a lead going into the fourth quarter, and they keep choking it away. Yeah, they always play the Buckeyes tough. But, again, they don't have the talent and the athletes that Ohio State has. You saw it in the game last year, right? JT Tuomalau makes some plays. Marvin Harrison makes plays. Stroud. Now they got – look, they've got some dudes at running back this year. Singleton. Uh, they got Drew Aller, the quarterback. This team's going to be really, really good next year, and they'll have an opportunity because they get the Buckeyes at home. they got to go to Ann Arbor in 24. We'll see what happens with them. But I don't agree, disagree with whatever you – with both with, – what both of you said in reference to Penn State. Let's go to a program really doesn't have to have much conversation but deserves to be on this list because they think they invented football, and that's Texas A&M. They won a national title in 1938. Dude, I lived in Texas for 12 years, okay? Consider my home state. This cult, and that's exactly what it is, these necks are the worst people in the world, okay? Let me tell you right now. You ask anybody, UT, Baylor, Texas Tech, Houston, Everybody can't stay in A&M. It's universal. Texas A&M thinks their biggest rivalry is Texas. Texas's biggest rivalry is Oklahoma. And Texas people will tell you that. It's amazing how much A&M thinks they're a far better program than they really are. They signed Jimbo to a ridiculous contract. It's like literally, let's take a coach and pick out of a hat and see if we can get a guy who ran a program into the ground after he won a national title. Let's sign him to the worst contract in college football. That's exactly who Texas A&M is. I actually think Texas A&M should be number one on this list. I don't do yeah, personally, personally, I'm all like you said, they've won nothing. And you you look at A&M where, all right, it's every year, oh, this is the year they're going to compete with LSU and Alabama. Yeah. This is the year they're going to do it. It's almost be- because of that game with Manziel going into Brian Denny and beating Alabama. That totally just put them in a different stratosphere and put them in the – they're going to be overrated till the end of time because they never won anything of significance. Okay, they won a Peach Bowl. Woohoo. Big deal. It wasn't even, it was before the Peach Bowl meant something when it was a playoff game every three years. But AM to me, I don't even think it's a debate. They're the four, they're at best, if things are right, the third best program in the SEC West. If things are right, in bad years, you can finish sixth in the SEC West. Now it's going to be a little different because they're moving to the pod system. But you know what? Now with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, they can end up being the seventh or eighth best team in a 14-team league pretty easily. And this is a program that supposedly has national championship aspirations. Come on now. 
Oh, I agree. Come on they're, they're they would delusional. be number one on my list. Oh, they're, they're absolutely delusional. And, you know, still one of my favorite moments of A&M is when Michael Bishop and company, they did actually beat Michael Bishop on a, uh, that was the only time they had anything good with A&M when Sir Parker scored in the Big 12 championship game. I got Miami Hurricanes on this list at number five. Miami has been relevant since losing that game in the Fiesta Bowl to Ohio State. Um, this program has been a downhill slide. Look, if you recruit Dayton Broward County and most of just, you don't even have to go north of Lakeland. You can win a national title in the state of Florida. It's unbelievable the talents that they're they just don't have the consistency at the coaching position. It's a commuter school. They don't have the fan support. Uh, I think Miami, unfortunately, is probably never going to get back to where they were in the 80s and 90s. You know, that's another one that it feels like if they get they, they again, they're very active in NIL. Yeah, that's the only way they're gonna they're get very, people. They're down very there. active. You're in a you're in a location that I mean, look, most 18, 19-year-old kids want to go to would love to live in Miami. And there are paths for them. But they have been, look, you're right. They're probably never getting back to what they were with arguably the greatest teams ever for a few years running. Uh, if it wasn't for one penalty that wasn't, they would have won back-to-back titles. But I'm not going to have that argument with you. Um, but you're looking at a scenario for me with Miami where, yeah, I, they deserve to be here. On this list, but of everyone on this list, except for number one and number two, it seems like they're the ones that could turn it around with the right coach very, very quickly. I don't disagree with you, but how many coaches are going to take? Well, that's the problem. It's taking right? a lot I mean, of coaches. We've seen Larry Coker go through there. We've seen Al Golden, now Mario Cristobal, uh, Randy Shannon. I, I'm leaving out some other guys along the way. I mean, well, Mark Rick was there as well. Mark Rick. Yeah. I mean, that was an interesting hire anyway, because he was a former player. He, he was, a, he was, he's probably had the best success since the O2 national championship game. You'd say I, yes. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, yeah because they, yeah, they made mean, they made multiple ACC title games with them. Because yeah. Manny the Diaz was thrown to the side for Doesn't matter, though. They, Manny Diaz. Give me a break. Manny Diaz. I mean, what they do? Your guy, game? Manny Diaz. They picked him out of the same hat they picked Jimbo Fisher out of? What, A&M had the first choice and they had the second choice? Oh, and they Jimbo, were the only Jimbo, two guys in the hat? Oh, a second. Jimbo at least won a national championship. Man, Larry Diaz. Coker won a national title. You looking to hire him? I Well, how old is Larry Coker? He's about 75. But my point is, these aren't great coaches. Let's go on. Rocky Top. First of all, one of the worst stadiums in college football. If you've ever been to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, it seats 100,000 plus. You can be in the first row and you feel like you're watching the game from the Empire State Building. I'm telling you right now, you ever go up the staircase up in Neyland Stadium, you feel like you're going to die. It is the worst stadium to walk up and down any stairs in terms of that. But the backdrop is unbelievable right there being on the water. But Tennessee wins one game against Alabama. Now, all of a sudden, they think they're back. They had that great run for about a decade when Peyton Manning and then T. Martin and company. Bama has dominated this series for a long, long time now. Nick Saban mismanaged the game late last year. If he runs the football on the first down play, they probably wind up in a situation where they either kick the game-winning field goal or they go to overtime with an opportunity. Tennessee's done a nice job under Heupel, but they're still not who they think they are or were with uh, Philip Fulmer in 1998. They're still probably right now, I don't know, maybe this year the second-best team in the SEC East, but still overall Florida's a better program than them. Tennessee's got to show consistency. I'm just not a big fan of the Big Orange. Uh, this team has got a long way to go before they can regain where they were in the 90s. They had their opportunity this year. You beat Alabama, and then – You get you give, what they give up, 63, 63 to, to South, South Carolina? Carolina. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I mean Hendon Hooker got hurt in that game. Well, but I didn't still, know he plays defense. He doesn't play defense, Amal. I was just about to say oh. that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, but, you know, 
So Tennessee kind of feels, and Tennessee should be on this list. If this was four years ago, Tennessee would actually be number two on my list if I was doing this. Because they they were they had the Nebraska syndrome also, and they were not even they weren't even remotely good. Uh, the Jeremy Pruitt era was as as awful as it got. Uh, by the way, somehow no bowl ban despite all those violations, hundreds on hundreds. Uh, but you know, I for me Tennessee, I. No problem with them being this high on your list, them all. No, no problem at all. But they would have been higher a few years ago for me. Well, also when you look at it, you know, you mentioned that because they're in the SEC. Let me tell you, if they were in some smaller conference, they would have gotten a bowl ban. But you know, we need that money to be keep rolling into these conferences. We're going to eventually wind up with two conferences: the Big Ten and the SEC, I mean, or whatever they, they call them. Yeah, exactly. At that point in time, whatever they rename them to. But that's where we're going. We'll come back. We'll get the other three in there, Jeff. But I agree with you guys. Notre Dame should have probably been higher on this list. And I don't disagree with a couple of texts I received that A&M should be number one. My God, you you would think Texas A&M invented football. No, I, I Texas A&M, if I were doing this list, Texas A&M would have been number one. Yeah. And I wouldn't even thought twice about it. But Amal has a different top three. Two of them have won titles in the last 20 years. One of them has not. One of them has won a half a national title in 70 years tell you about it next on Sharp Money. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. The NFL betting guide is out now, and our college football guide drops next week. Get previews and predictions for every D1 team, conference and best bets on futures and season win totals, plus an in-depth breakdown of how you can use our betting splits and power rankings 
in order to make you a smarter better this season. Sign up before the end of July and receive both guides and full VEASAN Pro access to the Super Bowl for the summer kickoff special of $175 or get a monthly subscription and get your first 30 days for only $19. See what VEASAN can offer you. Remember, this offer is only good through July 31st. Sign up now, vcin.com slash subscribe. We kick it back here to Sharp Money. I'm Jeff Parles, Amal Shaw. Why Tom check here as well. And now we get to the portion of the program or why it gets aggravated at them all. <laughs> well, you know, we'll get into the final top three here. Um, top 10 overrated programs, according to Amal Shaw in college football, by the way. The yeah, the list needs to be amended after listening to you guys. I've got Oregon 10, Notre Dame 9, Nebraska 8, Penn State 7, A&M 6, Miami uh, 5, Tennessee 4. And number three, this program thinks they invented football along with A&M, the Texas Longhorns. Think about this. These guys are a bad Reggie Bush lateral away. Everyone points to the fourth down play where Lendell White didn't get the first down. If Reggie Bush doesn't lateral the ball in the second quarter as USC was driving again, this game turns into a blowout. Trojans roll. They win a third straight national title. Instead, Vince Young and Texas win a national title, and they haven't done anything since. Yes, they did get back to the national title in the Rose Bowl against Alabama, but they got the brakes beaten off of them by uh, – Alabama in that game and this Texas program has just not gotten back to where they think they belong the way if you talk to people in Texas you would think oh they're competing for a national title every year I just read somewhere today people go oh Texas is going to go undefeated they're going to be in the playoffs going to win a national title they got to go down to Tuscaloosa can we let them win that game first everybody's underestimating Alabama all of a sudden you know everyone criticizes the Crimson Tide when they might have two losses now all of a sudden Alabama's an afterthought and Nick Saban can't coach anymore I mean what, what is it pick make up your mind it can't be both Texas is back. Yeah. Joe Tessitore's favorite line. If that moron says Texas is back one more time, I can't take it anymore. Texas is back. They beat an overrated Notre Dame team on a game. Oh, Texas is back. To what? Eight and four? That's who they are. Texas is terrible. They're overrated. Yes, you blew out Oklahoma without Dylan Gabriel last year when they had their first year of a coach. But remember... Rocky Calamus and Bob Stoops and uh, Josh Heupel beat you 63 to 14. This program has won one national title in 50 years. If you're that great, you win more than one national title. And it shouldn't take a Reggie Bush lateral to win that national title. Texas moves to the SEC next year. There is no reason to think it will get any better. That's why I'm good with where they're rated so, for you as well. And also, too, like, again, you got. So you got two guys at quarter at the quarterback position on the roster now that should actually lead to something good. You would think in yours. And then of course the, uh, the arch Manning who don't Malik Murphy's not bad either on that roster. No, look, they, they have, they have plenty of talent and it's just always, they always, there are some teams in sports that just find ways to not get it done. And Texas is the king of that in college football. Well, look up in Seattle, Stark was known as seven and seven. I don't know if that was his favorite drink or that was his record, but either way, the bottom line is you've got a pedestrian coach. You're not going anywhere quickly. You're going into the sec. This program is going to be continuing. It's just mediocre trajectory. And to me, Texas is a program. The problem with it is, They've got too many people. They've got too many chefs in the kitchen outside of the football program that want to run things. That's the biggest problem at Texas. All right. Now here's where we get to the fun portion of the show. Number two on your list, Amal. The Michigan Wolverines. Last time they won a national title by themselves was 1948. Think about that for a minute. This is a program that is embarking on 75 years. You know, I wanted the Wolverines to win that title by themselves in 97, but they split it with Nebraska. I still think Nebraska would have probably beaten them with Scott Frost. Remember, they beat Tennessee by 25 in the Orange Bowl. Michigan eked out a 21-14 win over Wazoo. 
they were irrelevant for nearly two decades. They were getting drubbed every year in the game by Ohio State, in the Ohio State Michigan game. Now they've turned things around the last couple of years. Uh, but again, they go to play Georgia and they look like an average team. Then you get TCU and you got the ball on the two yard line. You can't punch it in. I mean, this is who Michigan is. They've been overrated for so long. They get a ton of credit because their alumni base is very large. But I mean, think about this in any other sport, when any other program or team get this much hype, that's won one national title since just right after world war two. I was not alive for that one. Neither are most people. <laughs> Okay, I mean, think about this. You're talking 70 plus years. This program has been so bad. Their entire identity is like when Fielding Yost was a coach in 1900. You look at the Michigan records post World War II. This program is average at best. One now, BYU has won as many whole national titles as this program has since World War II. I'm leaving it to the Michigan fan. I have nothing to add. Well, you know, Maul sent this. Uh, you know, I was I was in bed getting ready to go. To, you know, it's like oh, I'm gonna go to bed all happy. And then Maul sends this list, and I'm like, oh, of course, Michigan's number two. Just ruins ruins the night. I, you know, here here's the thing. I, I, I you don't disagree. Well, Michigan from after Lloyd Carr yep. to to. Um, uh, Jim Harbaugh, yes, very overrated. They were they were terrible. There were a couple seasons with with Jim Harbaugh where they they struggled. Well, you didn't like Rich Rod? No, good God, no. That that the cost. Of, first off, Michigan would have Michigan had a quarterback uh, to lead them through the future. It was Ryan Mallett, hire a, a spread type uh, coach who just nuked the whole offense and then couldn't recruit a defense to save his life. I respected Brady Hoke. They just couldn't find a quarterback, but. The good thing is with Michigan, they're they're at least getting back on the rise. The, the 2020 season was about as low as you possibly could get, and at least Harbaugh and, and crew have been able to to bump it up. I'm By still way, trying to avoid that TCU game too. I, I always uh, blame Kirk Herbstreit for them bowing out of the Ohio State Michigan game because he goes, "I think Michigan's going to bow out of the game," and they did exactly that. I don't know if they already had that notion in their mind, but why put it in their head anyway? And they bow out of the uh, the game due to COVID. I mean, they didn't want to take another beating. Uh, the reality of it is Michigan's going to have their best team this year that they've ever had in, since the 1997 national championship. They've got an opportunity to win a national title this year. Whether they do or not remains to be seen. Do they get off your list if they win a title? Yes, absolutely. Is that the easy requirement for all these programs? No question about it, but think about this. The most recent national title is Texas in 2005. And even that, again, I mentioned if Reggie Bush doesn't lateral the ball, they, they would have won three straight. And the number one team on this list, in my opinion – should be the premier program in college football, and it shouldn't even be close. The University of Southern California, USC, the Trojans. They've got a ton of history, national championships, first-round picks, Hall of Fame players. They've had great, great talent come through there. This program has been irrelevant. I mean, think about this. This is a program that led Alabama in, in Arlington 3-0 and lose the game 52-3 to to Alabama. This program has been a shell of itself. They've brought in an offensive coach who's a great offensive coach. They have one of the worst and most overrated defensive coordinators in college football in Alex Grinch. They've got a generational talent in Caleb Williams. What are they going to win? They can't beat Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. They can't beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. USC is so overrated, it's unbelievable. The fan base is more fair weather than the politics in California. It's unbelievable how bad the fan base at USC is. These guys will only show up when they win. They don't show up for any games to support this team. As soon as the Trojans lose the game by week five, you won't see anybody at the Coliseum. So, of all the teams on your list, yeah. Michigan and USC are the only two that I think could possibly win a national title this year. 
I would the, agree with that. Now, the problem for USC, now you are, look, a few years ago, pre-Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. they were as overrated as any team in any sport in the country, period. Correct. No argument there. But now I think you're starting to get back to a point where I think Lincoln Riley is a really good football coach. And you're now going into the Big Ten, where the one thing with the Pac-12, first off, if they by moving to the Big Twelve, they don't Big Ten, they don't have to see Utah anymore for whatever reason. They can't be Utah because uh, Kyle Whittingham is the best coach in the Pac-12. And for what eight, that may be one thing. Different toughness level to Utah may be another thing. But the one thing that's going to help USC moving forward is moving to a conference where if they go. 10 and 2, they're going to be in the playoff, especially with, especially with the expanded playoff. So I don't think USC, I, for about a 12 year period, there was no more overrated program in any sport than USC football. Now I think they have a really good chance to work their way down or maybe even off your list completely now with the right coach in place. Finally, now obviously they've been looking for it since Carroll got run out of there. Yeah, absolutely. And they made the worst hire, at, right, in 97 and 99. They're the worst hire in L.A. sports history, probably. Paul can hack it. I mean, he was a terrible coach for the Trojans. They revitalized that program once they brought in, or 98 to 2000, once they brought in Pete Carroll in 2001. But, you know, Lincoln Riley, look, He's had a great run so far. His record as a coach is 66 and 13, but he's one and four in bowl games, and he's had two losses every year. When you look at the talent that Oklahoma's had compared to the rest of the Big 12, you look at the talent that USC has generally compared to what you see in the rest of the conference. You're in Los Angeles, you've got tremendous big money donors. USC is the largest employer in the city of Los Angeles. This program has so much money. How is it that you're average every year? Losing to schools like Tulane? You think Alabama's losing to Tulane? You think Ohio State's losing to Tulane? I would have said Michigan, but then again, they lost to App State. Alabama did lose to Cincinnati. It did happen. When? Or, or excuse me, they lost to Utah before Utah was Pac-12. That's what it was. In a game that Alabama didn't care about? Well, you can argue that with USC in this year's Cotton Bowl. They're not Bama. I know they're not. (laughs) Trust me. I know. Alabama would have been on this list 15, 20 years ago Mm -hmm. before Saban, though. More to come. Sharp money. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.